This is a book that Trish got me for Christmas this year because it was on the list, on my Christmas list. Uh, the book is titled, Somebody Feed Phil the Book. I don't think, it doesn't work like that. So, Somebody Feed Phil is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Uh, it's, a, it's a show about food, if you haven't picked up on that. Phil Rosenthal is the star. Phil, now you would know Phil. Phil is the creator of a TV series called Everyone Loves Raymond. Are you familiar with that? It's kind of based on his life. Phil's parents were a lot like Raymond's parents. He's got an older brother, Richard, that he works with, and he's always picking on his older brother, Richard. But what I love about this show is Phil just loves food. He, you know, this is my spirit animal here. Uh, he travels all over the world trying different kinds of food and in different countries, different cities, uh, finding out what they're known for and, and what foods. Oh my goodness, look at this. Look at the pictures. There's pictures of food all over the place. Now, I, I've watched other shows where someone goes to places and tries their food. And, and sometimes it's a chef. And that chef will go and try the native food, whatever it is that's in that particular country. And then he'll tell them how he would make it better. Uh, you know, chefs will say, well, you know, if I was doing this, I would do it. That's not Phil. Phil just simply goes and enjoys and, and meets the people and loves the people and loves their food. And the whole time he has this wide-eyed sense of wonder over everything that they serve him. All this month we have been in the Gospel of John and we have heard that call from the Gospel of John, come and see. Come and see. Come and see this man from, from Nazareth. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And even Jesus coming to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Come and see Jesus. Come and grieve with us. Come and be present in what we are feeling at this moment. But today, we're going to step away from John. We're going back into the Psalms. Psalm 34. That's on page four hundred and. 63, if you want to follow along in one of those blue Bibles, 463, Psalm 34. This is a psalm that's near and dear to my heart. It's a psalm that I love. It's a verse that I love. It is not simply come and see, but Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see. It's not merely come and see. It's not just see. It's not just maybe hear the word of the Lord. Hearing and seeing are wonderful, are wonderful senses. But you know, hearing and seeing are both passive. You do not have to interact with something. You just need to turn your head that way or be able to pick up the sound waves. Taste is different. Taste requires us to make contact in order to taste something. God doesn't just invite us to come near Him. He invites us to make contact. There is intimacy that brings us into His presence so that we can know Him, so that we can know His goodness. Now I understand it is morning, and some of you have had your breakfast. Others of you may have skipped breakfast. I don't know. You might be hungry. <laughs> you might have lunch plans. And you're thinking, oh great, Here's another sermon where he's going to talk about food for the whole time. And you'd be right. 
You know, God created you with the capacity to enjoy food, to taste, to smell, and to experience the joy of a great meal. And when he invites us to come near him, he invites us, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's where it begins. With God's call for us to know him, to experience his goodness. That's his call to you. And what I don't want you to miss is this. The goodness of God in your life is not dependent upon you being in a good place in your life. Let me say that again. The goodness of God in your life is not dependent upon everything being perfect and you being in a good place in your life. In other words, as we've said so many times before, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about everything being perfect in our lives. Oh, the sun is shining. It's a good day. I don't have any aches or pains today. All of my prayers have been answered exactly the way I wanted them to be answered. Ah, God is good. No, that's not how it works. God is good even when things aren't going good for us. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a psalm of David. We're told that from the very beginning. Now this was not while David was king. This is before David is king. It begins with a note. What does the note say? It says, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. What, 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 what's this? What, what's this a referencing? It's referencing 1 Samuel chapter 21. David is not king yet. In fact, David is running from King Saul who wants to murder him. And so David has to hide. Where does he go to hide? Where does David go? He goes to the Philistines. Now, you may remember, David killed a lot of Philistines. They didn't care for him. He was the enemy. And to make matters worse, David goes to the Philistine city of Gath to hide. Now I'm going to see if you paid attention in Sunday school class. Who in the Bible, a famous person in the Bible, who is from Gath? Say it louder. Goliath, right? You remember Goliath? What did David do to Goliath? Right there, you know, he's done. That's where David goes to hide. He goes to Goliath's hometown. How are these people going to feel about David coming to Gath? Well, if we turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 21, it's there in verse 10, we read, David rose and fled that day from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, well, isn't this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him and dance? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands, tens of thousands of Philistines. And David took these words to heart and he was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before him and pretended to be insane in their hands. He made marks on the doors of the gates and he let, the, he let his spittle run down into his beard. And Achish said to his servants, Behold, this is a madman. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Some of you have had bad days. 
You've had really, really bad days. Some of you have been through an awful lot. But let me ask you, have you ever had it so bad that you had to pretend you were crazy so that you wouldn't get killed? Jim? No? No? Never had to pretend that you're crazy just to keep from, from getting killed? Just to hide out from your enemy? No, no, you've never had it that bad. David's had it that bad. That's the setting of Psalm 34. But what does David do in that setting? Verses 1-5, through five, I will bless the Lord at all times. Even here? Even in Gath while you're pretending to be crazy? Yeah. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Things aren't going well for David. And yet, what has he committed to doing. He says, I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. It's an interesting word there, sought in this particular use. In the Hebrew, that word sought is never used of something or someone who is missing. In other words, David's not out there putting God's pictures on milk cartons and saying, have you seen this guy? You know, it's not like that. It's not like with me, you know, any given day I lay my glasses down about a dozen times and then I walk around and go, where's my glasses? Where did I leave my glasses? Trish found them in the bathroom the other night. I find them in other places. I, Where did I leave my glasses? Maybe you lose your car keys. You know, it's not like that. David knows well and good where God is and David also knows that he's the one who has walked away. And if he's going to seek the Lord, he's the one that has to come back to him. He's the one that has to come near Seeking is not about bringing God back. It's about moving towards Him. And I'll remind you again, David is doing this while he is in the hands of his enemy, feigning madness, running for his life. It's not the perfect time in his life. Things aren't good for David. Every now and then, I'll have a conversation with someone and I'll talk to them about coming to church. Sometimes I talk to people about coming back to church. And very often, one of the responses I get is they will say, it's just not a good time for me. It's just not a good time for us. Oh, we got a lot going on. The kids are keeping us so busy or the grandkids are keeping us so busy. When things, when things get better, when things finally calm down, when, when, when our health is better, when our finances are better, we'll be back. I got to tell you, they, they seldom come back. Because you see, seeking the Lord is not about everything being perfect in your life. You seek the Lord when things aren't perfect, when everything isn't good. It's about you choosing to move closer to God. It's about seeking His goodness. And when you do that... People notice. They're watching. Be, be aware of that. People are watching. The goodness of God in our lives invites others to come close to God. It's the goodness of God in our lives, us seeking His goodness, that invites others to come close to Him. A couple years ago, uh, Denny and Sue Bennett had been on a trip 
and uh, they'd, they'd been, been somewhere. They, they came back and we were talking and Denny says to me, we went to this restaurant. You have got to try it. While we're eating there, we said, oh, Brett, Brett's just got to try this restaurant. And I said, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. He said, it's in Milwaukee. And I said, let me stop you. Is it the safe house? And he threw his hands up and says, you've eaten everywhere. <laughs> well, not quite. And I've never eaten at the safe house, but it, it's on the list. You know, it's, it's on the list of places I want to go. Someday we'll get up there. I have a lot of friends who have eaten at the safe house. It's a fun place. You've been to the safe house? It's a spy-themed restaurant. To get into the safe house, you have to pick up a phone and you have to give them a password or do something else embarrassing. And they'll let you in. Inside, there's all kinds of little spy things all over the place. Uh, to get out, one of the ways that you get out is they let you down and then you come out through a, uh, through a, a telephone booth. And that's one of the little secret exits to get out of the spy-themed restaurant. And on top of that, the food at the safe house is pretty good. It's just a really, really nice place. I've never eaten there, but I have friends that have gone, and more than one, more than just Denny has said to me, you've got to go try that. You, know, you, you do that with your friends, don't you? You go to a new restaurant, you try something new, you say, oh, you've got to go there. You've got to try this. You, when you go, you've got to order this. If you go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse... You gotta order the, uh, you gotta order the sweet potato casserole. Make sure you get the sweet potato casserole. You've gotta try this. Order this, order that. You tell them how good it is. It's not just come and see. It is taste and see. Oh, taste and see, verse eight says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And then David invites others. He invites us to come into God's goodness. Verse nine. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. For those who fear Him have no lack. The young lion suffers in want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to Me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. You know, I have to give the disclaimer, fear the Lord is not about being afraid of God. Fear is, a, is an awe-filled respect for God, an awe-filled respect where the only option you have is to submit your life to Him. Submit your life to His will. But don't miss verse 11. I will teach you to fear the Lord. It can be taught. That, that's the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs, by the way. Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We start there. It can, in fact, be taught. David sets himself up as one who can teach others about the goodness of God. Why? Because he has sought the Lord even in difficult times. And then, well, verse 12, David starts to meddle. He starts to get a little personal. Verse 12, he says, What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? In other words, what are the qualities of someone who seeks the goodness of God? What are the qualities of someone who truly fears Him? And then he goes on into verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. There are people in your life who believe that God is good because you have been good to them. There are people in your life whose only experience of the goodness of God is the way that you, the way that I, the way that others have been good 
to them. What happens when we're not good to people? You know, there are people who push our buttons, aren't there? There's people who really know how to get under our skin. People we can't get along with. People with different opinions, different views. People that frustrate us. People that aggravate us. What do they think God is like when they walk away from us? If we're truly committed to seeking God's goodness, getting near enough to His goodness that we can taste it, it's going to change who we are. It's going to change how we talk to others. It's how it's going to change how we interact with other people. They are going to experience the goodness of God because they've experienced His goodness through us. This is the same thing that the Apostle Paul is writing about in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Making the best use of your time. Let your conversation, let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Seasoned with salt. You know, when, when food is properly seasoned, it doesn't taste salty. It, it tastes more savory. The savory things taste more savory. Sweet things even taste sweeter when you salt them just right. Taste and see. The flavor is magnified. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Make sure that other people are getting a taste of His goodness. David invites us to taste and see that God is good. Paul says that grace should season our conversations with others. We take this all together and we hear this call. The call is to live so that others savor the flavor of God's goodness through you. Live your life so that other people, the people you come in contact with, they are savoring the flavor of God's goodness because of you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God invites us to come near to Him. A couple of years ago, I was up in Champaign on my day off and it was getting close to lunch. and I started wondering about where I would eat. I have an app on my phone that tells me what the restaurants in where the restaurants in the area are because of course I do. You know, I, I let that guide me sometimes. And and this restaurant kept popping up on my phone as the nearest restaurant to me. It was called the Caribbean Grill. And I thought, I don't know anything about the Caribbean. I've never been there, and I don't know anything about Caribbean food. And so I kept looking around, but my phone kept bringing me back to the Caribbean Grill, the Caribbean Grill. So finally, I, I go to the Caribbean Grill. I walk up to the counter, and I talk to the guy behind the counter, and I did something I very, very often do in restaurants I'm not familiar with. I said, I've never eaten here before. What is it that I have to try? What is it that I absolutely need to try? And he, he got excited. He looked at me and he said, you're going to need the jerk chicken. He said, you're going to need the dark meat jerk chicken. I said, absolutely, I'm going to need the dark meat jerk chicken. He said, you're going to need cornbread. And I said, you know it, I am going to need cornbread. And then I said, I, I keep seeing in the reviews people talking about something called steamed cabbage. Is that like... Is that like cooked cabbage, boiled cabbage like mom used to make? And he said, oh no, it's not boiled cabbage. It's amazing. And he's right. Steamed cabbage was amazing. I didn't know anything at all about that food. And, and so I, I had to learn something new. And in fact, I, I went home and I learned how to make my own Caribbean jerk chicken. I think it's better than theirs. 
And you do too, by the way, because uh, a couple years ago we had Caribbean jerk tacos after church one Sunday, and that's my, that's my recipe, not theirs, but I, I enjoy making that. But you know, in order to learn and to experience it all, I first had to choose to walk in, I had to choose to try something new, I had to choose to get close, to savor it, and to taste it. And that guy at the Caribbean Grill, I don't think he was the owner, but you know what? He knew he had something special there. And he was eager to share it with me. He wanted me to know why it was special. When somebody gets close to you, when somebody gets close to you, are, are they experiencing the goodness of God? I, I hope they do. But you realize that doesn't come without a commitment on our part. A commitment greater than anything else that can, can divide us. And there's so much out there that can divide us, that can pull us apart, that can cause us to, to bump heads with each other. Absolutely nothing is more important. The commitment is that absolutely nothing is more important than the goodness of God in your life. Everyone is so divided these days. Conversations get heated so quickly. We will get angry and upset with each other. We will argue and get worked up about all kinds of things. We get worked up about politics. We, we get worked up about race issues. We get worked up about different lifestyle choices. And, and, and the conversations, can I say it? Conversations at times can just leave a bad taste in your mouth. Are we offering people something better? In our conversations, are we bringing the goodness of God in? You know, Peter, Peter knew about Psalm 34. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he writes this So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, all slander, even slander against people who are on TV that you will never make contact with personally. Put away all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good and you're here today because you've tasted that the Lord is good you're here because you've experienced his goodness through Jesus, your Savior, your, your Lord, your, your friend. You've known His love. You've experienced that love through the love of others. There are people in your life who will never know the goodness of God apart from you and the way you treat them, the way you talk to them. Live so that others savor the flavor of God's goodness because of you. It is no accident that Jesus chooses to meet us at a table. It is no accident that the greatest expression of our connection to Jesus Christ is through a shared meal. And it is not just that we see the cup. It is not just that we hear the bread as it is being broken, as, as, as that cracker is being crushed in our mouths. We taste. We see. We take Christ into ourselves through this mystery of communion. And just as importantly, we do this together. We do this as a church. We do this as a family. It's a shared memorial. It is a shared meal taken together in remembrance of Him. 
You know, a meal, a meal has a way of bringing people together like, like nothing else. It's something that we share. And as Jesus calls us to Him, He calls us to share His love, to invite others to come and see, to invite others to taste and see, and to live our lives in such a way that they catch the flavor of His goodness because of the way that you've been good to them, because of the goodness of God that they've seen in you. We're going to sing here in just a moment. We'll pray and we'll sing. The song we're going to sing... The, the lyrics will be up here, and I know it might be a new song to some of you. Uh, I want you to hear this song as a prayer. It is a prayer, and, and it is very much reminds me of David and uh, David seeking God even in those times when it was difficult. So as we come together to the table, as we come to, to celebrate and to remember, let's remind ourselves that we are seeking His goodness together. We are seeking His goodness for those who need to know that He is good. Let me pray. We'll sing together. Father, our lives have been filled with Your goodness. Not just in the days when everything was perfect. Not just in those days that, that our prayers finally got answered the way we wanted them prayed. But in the seeking, in the longing, in the hurting, in those hard times when we, when we struggled to hold on to Your goodness, your goodness was there for us. And Father, I, there were other people who were there for us as well. They shared with us. They encouraged us. They blessed us. And they reminded us we weren't alone. And thank You, Father, that all of our lives You have been so, so good. And we uh, come together today, Lord, to, uh, to take, to remember, to celebrate, and to give thanks. Bless this cup that represents the blood that was shed for us. Bless this bread that represents the body broken. And Lord, remind us again and again of Your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.